Deuteronomy 20, verse 1. I'll give you a second to get there. See, I, I lose from this point on today because no matter what I say, I can't compete with that up there. Don't fall asleep on me. Okay. Everybody there? And it says, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, he is with you. And when you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. And he will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel. Do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart. Do not panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is going with you and he will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you the victory. Today I'm going to talk about be victorious. The word be we've said is to live or to exist. And I want you to live or exist in victory. How many of y'all want to live or exist in victory? How many of you don't like fighting stuff in your life? I don't like fighting stuff. I don't like going through stuff. But right here in Deuteronomy, we see it says, okay, the pre what I'm going to do is I'm sending the priest out, the pastor. He's coming out, and he's going he's gonna to give you a word for the day before you go into the battle. I know there's more guys here than we expected. I know there's more of them here than we even number. And it's okay. I know in this nation there's more non-Christians than there are Christians. It's okay. I know all of these things. But what I want to tell you today is, hear, O Israel, as you're drawn against your enemies, don't let your heart be faint. Don't fear or panic on who's in front of you. None of that matters because your God is going to go before you. Your God is going to go with you, and your God is going to give you the victory. And so I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk how you get victory in life. Anybody want to be victorious? I'm ready to, I'm ready to be, have some victory in my life. And uh, we've experienced victories in the last couple weeks alone. We closed on our house in Beaumont. Isn't that great? On Tuesday. So I get to go sign the paperwork. That chapter of our life is over. Praise God. It took us a year, but we sold it. And it's gone. And uh, we're excited. We're going to start looking for a house and get out of that apartment we're crammed up in right now. There's three of us and like 1,200 square feet. And I, I got where I don't even like my kids no more. No, <laughs> but you got, you got to get to a point where you can move around, you know, praise God. And I just can't move around. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to move this back. Maybe that'll help. This helping? Okay. So. We're going to move, we're going to sow our seed, and, and, and we're going to plant our roots right here in Angleton forevermore, and we're, we're looking for that forevermore house. So if you find a good deal, you let me know. Because I've looked, and there's like five houses for sale in Angleton right now. <laughs> we're mainly looking for land. I got a great guy who's going to help me build a house I'm praying about. And, uh, and so just pray we can find a piece of land that we can, we can build us a house and I'm real picky. I used to build homes. I built swimming pools when I was younger and stuff. And so I'm real picky. I know what I want. And this builder, he's going to catch a hard time when I, I build. And it's okay because I love him. He loves me. So, Matt, get ready. It's coming. <laughs> 
When Wayne Gretzky played hockey, he was the greatest hockey player of all times. And uh, some may argue that today, that there's better. But if you mention the word hockey to a person who doesn't even know who hockey is, and you ask one player, ask them to name one player that, that's ever played the game, and they'll tell you, Wayne Gretzky. Everyone knows who Wayne Gretzky is. If you don't, I'm sorry. Janda don't know who Wayne Gretzky is? Janda, I'm going to pray for you. But just about everybody in life knows who Wayne Gretzky is. He is famous for all kinds of stuff. And a reporter one day asked Wayne Gretzky, he said, what made you the greatest player of all time? And Wayne said this one thing. He said, while everyone else was skating to the puck, I was skating to where the puck was going to be. You know, in life, skating to the puck just gets you there with everybody else. I want to get there ahead of everybody else. I want to know where it's going. It's like what made Bobby Fischer the greatest chess player of all times is he could see further down the board. If you'll turn these monitors off, I think that'll help, Jeff. But um, he could see further down the board than everybody else. He could see 7, 12, 15 plays ahead of everyone else on the chessboard. He knew by the guy's first move what his end game was going to be. He saw the whole thing laid out before him. He was a genius before there were geniuses. He was, he was the guy. And the deal is, he just knew. You know, in order to be victorious in life, sometimes you need to know stuff before it happens. Just like if I'd have known what those Powerball tickets were, I'd have bought one. If I'd have known what those numbers were, I mean, I'd have been the slickest pastor in town. I'd have paid my tithe first thing, and then I told somebody else I'd go down to Kids Harbor and I'd take all those kids to Disney World for about a week. I would. I'd take them to Disney World and treat them. Every single one of them. I'd, reno I'd, I'd hire Matt to renovate all their facilities, redo them, make them nicer. And... Uh, you know, I'd do stuff for people, and uh, I don't know if I'd change anything about how I live. I might drive a little nicer truck than what I drive now, but it ain't, you know, I just need a truck. I don't need a Lamborghini. I've never seen a car that was worth $250,000. I don't know. It goes fast, I know, but I'm sure I, my pickup go fast enough for me. The, you know, down Downing, it's only 30 miles an hour. And I'm still going to be preaching next Sunday if I don't want it. But the point is, sometimes in life, you need an advantage over everybody else. And God wants to give you an advantage. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, 1 through 2 it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Maybe we need to see our game different than we've been playing it. You say, well, pastor, I don't got no joy. Pastor, you know, I'm just, I haven't been happy in a long time. Pastor, my finances have been in ruins forever. What do I need to do to make life better? I just want to be like everybody else. I want to be like Joe and Susan down the street. And, you know, I don't want to have the problems I've been having. And, you know, I'd say to you that God wants to do that for you. God doesn't want us to be miserable. 
He doesn't. The disciples were being tortured and they were smiling. They were happy. Because there was something more to what they had. There's something more to life than what we have. And so I want to challenge you in that today. I want to dig into this passage just a little bit more. So will you dig with me this morning? So it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now in the old days, you got to understand. The priest would come in. He would take a lamb. No spot or wrinkle or an ox that was just perfectly one color, perfectly white, no spots on it, no blemishes. It was perfect in every way. And we went out, we went off the outer appearance of the lamb. Because lambs really can't sin, you know. And so we go off the outer appearance of the lamb. The lamb had to be perfect in every way, and most of the time it had to be of a firstborn. And it, it just had to be, it had all these requirements that this lamb had to meet. And then the priest would take it and put it on the altar of the Lord. And they had a certain way that they would, they would prepare it and kill it. And they would burn it and sacrifice it to God. Aren't you glad we don't have to? I'm so glad that y'all don't bring me lambs. And I don't have to cut them and I don't have to bleed them and I don't have to do all that. That just, that just doesn't appeal to me. I clean a deer every once in a while and it's okay. But I'd rather just load it in the truck and take it to somebody else to clean. And, but they had to do all this hard, crazy stuff. And it was just hard. But then Jesus, look to your neighbor and say, then Jesus. Jesus came and he was that perfect sacrificial lamb for us. No spots, no wrinkles, no sin. Everything about him was as perfect as you could get. Never sinned, lived a perfect holy life acceptable to the Lord. And he was sacrificed for us. And, you know, instead of having to bring these lambs to the altar, Jesus paid the price for us. But, but what they're saying in Romans, they're saying, I'm appealed to you there, brothers, by the mercies of God. Present your bodies. In other words, present your life. Not, not just this body we're looking at here. Present your life. We've got to come to a place where we've got to realize there's something about presenting our life as an offering to God. Everything we should do, we do, should reflect him. Now, I know we're saved by grace, and we talked about this last week. But we don't want to cheapen grace either. There's something about living upright and acceptable and holy, Paul's talking about here. That we need to be acceptable before the Lord. An accept, acceptable sacrifice. We're not just here to enjoy life. We're here to present ourselves a living sacrifice. The more of a sacrifice that you become, the more alive you become. The more invigorated you become. You know, it says in the Word of God, I got a revelation of this as I was sitting here in prayer this week. It says in the Word of God that in His presence is fullness of joy. We read that and we think, well, in His presence is fullness of joy. But you know, no matter what's going on in your life, what you're fighting, what you're struggling with, what's going on, if if you're having a hard time in life, there's something about getting on your knees and getting into the presence of God. And I know His presence goes with me everywhere I'm at. I believe that. And I believe that for you too. But there's something about getting and just focusing and on purpose, getting into the presence of God, 
that allows everything to fall off of you. Allows all the weight just to go. And allows, allows there to become a fullness of joy. I had some stuff going on in my life, and I was just concerned about a couple things. A couple things are going on. I just begin to pray and to meditate and just to sing praises, praises to God. And this, song, this last song they sang, how great, great you are, God. And, and I'm, just, I'm just singing that at the altar of God. And I know you wouldn't want to hear it, but my God loves to hear me sing. And I'm just singing it, and I'm praising, and I'm praying. And there's something about a fullness of joy that comes over you. And it just reinvigorates you. And all of a sudden, you know what? What I was worried about, I'm not worried about no more. What I was concerned about, I'm not concerned about no more. Because I know what? You know what? God got this. I seen somebody had a new coffee cup this week. It says, God's got this. Get you one of those. God's, look to your neighbor and say, God's got this. He's got this in your life. In this, Paul says, do not be conformed, but transformed. I want to share with you what this word conform means. In the Greek, it means suskamatsio, which is a schematic or a blueprint. The only place, other place we see the same context of this Greek word confirmed in the Bible is in 1 Peter 1.14. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed. Do not let your blueprint, do not let the map of your life, do not, do not let your schematic of by which you live by be the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, God's saying, what your former ignorance was, what your former blueprints of life were, how you used to live, don't let it be the same when you find Jesus. Let it be different. He's saying, your blueprint should not be the same as it always was. There's something that's got to change when you, when you find God for the first time. Something's got to transform. See, because God's got a blueprint, and he's got a schematic, and as long as we live by ours, his is void. But the minute we decide to tear ours up and to throw it in the trash can and we open and unroll the plan that God has for our lives, we start walking into new places, into new territories, and new things happen. And then it says, but be transformed, which in the Greek means metamorpho or metamorphosis. Be transformed or transfigured by a supernatural change is what that word means. Transformed or transfigured. How many know when a butter when a when a worm goes through metamorphosis, he he spins his cocoon around himself. He goes into a private little place. And he spins his cocoon around himself, and actually his stomach acid, he he kind of devours himself. It's kind of nasty, but he dies to himself when he's in this cocoon. And he transforms into, into this butterfly, this beautiful thing. And what, what, what the writer here is saying in the scripture is, don't be conformed. Don't let your blueprint be the blueprint you've always had. But it's time to die to yourself, die to the way that you've always been, and become what God wants you to be. And he wants to unwrap you into that beautiful butterfly where you can fly easy. Where it's light. You're no longer crawling. You're no longer inching around. You're no longer fuzzy and ugly. On the inside. But God wants to create something beautiful in you. He wants to transform who you are. 
But the problem is, are you willing to tear that thing up? Or are you willing to grab his schematic, his blueprint, and say, you know, you told me to be holy and acceptable, to be a living sacrifice to you, but what does that word sacrifice mean? Sacrifice has got to cost you something. That's why it's called a sacrifice. I sacrificed to buy my kids' shoes for these ever-extending feet they have. But sacrifice, it's got to cost you something in life. It's, in other words, they're saying, you know, it's, it's not just peaches and cream. It, it's not, but, but in His presence, there's a fullness in His presence, there's a goodness. And no matter what it looks like, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God says, I am here. And I will go before you in this battle. It don't matter what the battle looks like. It don't matter how many guys are there. Whatever it looks like, I am there. And in my presence is fullness of joy. Man, I could end right there. We have always sought out superheroes as people and rescuers in our life. Everybody loves the rescuer. Everyone loves a hero. Why did Star Wars make $1.7 billion in a couple weeks? I think somebody did the math. It was like $4.3 trillion or a million a person that watched it. I think they used that, uh, that math that was going around about if you divided the Powerball up among everybody, they get 4.3 million when it was $4.3 a person in the U.S. And uh, <laughs> that was the funniest thing I've seen ever. I'm sitting there, really? If they gave everybody some of the Powerball money, it'd be $4.3 million. So I took out my calculator. I said, no, I was right, $4.33. <laughs> and there's people liking it, you know, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> But everybody wants to be rescued. Why do all these people buy Powerball tickets? Because they think instantly, all my problems are gone. Instantly, everything's okay. I can buy happiness. I can buy joy. Life is so good. If I could have just what everybody put in the Powerball that lives here in Angleton this last week, in our offering bucket, you know what I could do? I could end hunger in Angleton. I could end, end homelessness in Angleton. I could probably end hunger in a third world country for a week or two. Just think about it. What are we doing? Where are we going? Is God schematic ours? But everybody likes a rescuer and a hero. We want somebody to rescue us. We want a hero. You know, there's sports heroes in life. There was the famous Babe Ruth. There was Jackie Robinson who did so much for baseball, but did so much more for racial equality. What a hero he is. If you haven't watched that movie, 42, you need to buy it. That man went through Hades to set a precedence for every young man and every young woman that would come behind him. What a great role model he was. There's Michael Jordan, who sells underwear on TV. There's a, I love Michael. You can argue all you want. He's still the greatest of all time. There were war heroes. We had Patton. We had Ike. We had Davy Crockett. We live here in Texas. We love Davy Crockett. We adopted him, even though he was from Tennessee. Every kid in life fantasizes about being a superhero. 
I remember when I wanted to fly. I got about 40 and looked down and said, there ain't no way that's happening. God, there's got to be a miracle. Let's see Jesus pull me out of the water when I start to sing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, everybody loves heroes. Every man or boy here has pretended to be a hero. I'm going to list top eight, eight superheroes of all times. Cheer when I get to your favorite. There's G.I. Joe. There's Superman. There's Batman. There's Captain America. There's Wonder Woman. There's the Fantastic Four. There's Medea. Caught you off guard there. That wasn't really on the list. Uh, there's the Hulk. There's Mighty Mouse. Who cannot love my... Here I am to save the day. I mean, who, does, who doesn't love Mighty Mouse? I mean, that dude is... That dude's the bomb right there. Got his own song. I, you know, I think everybody ought to have their own song. Here I am to pray for you. You know, everybody wants their own song. Everybody. You know, not all of us have the last name Stark. We're not all Iron Man. <laughs> Look, I've got superpowers. I can burn your roast from right here if y'all don't give me enough amens. How many, how many of y'all guys who are my age or a little older remember underoos? Y'all remember that? Every boy wanted to be a superhero. I mean, you put on a pair of underwear and all of a sudden, you're the Hulk. You know, or you put on Superman's underwear. I got Superman's underwear on. Kids today are lucky. We didn't have all the outfits and costumes they got today. Of course, our underwear wasn't flammable either, like their capes and stuff they got today. Uh... But everybody loves superheroes. Remember putting your arms out just pretending like you could fly? Makes me want to sing that R. Kelly song. I believe I can fly. Everybody, everybody wants to fly. Everybody wants to be the superhero. In fact, I got a video for you today. They're going to show it. That was my favorite commercial of all time right there. Everybody wants to be able to take and move stuff around your room. The force is with me. Coke come out of the icebox. But you know what the truth is? God's just like that dad in the window with a remote control. And he's sitting there waiting for you to present yourself a holy, living, acceptable sacrifice to him. 
And he so badly just wants to push that button and make things happen in your life. He's just waiting. Just sitting there. Waiting for you to unroll his blueprint. To unroll that map that he has for your life. He's just waiting for that. But we have to change the way we think. When Ethan was in the hospital with his arm, a lot of y'all might not know this story, a lot of you might. My son's had 12 surgeries in the last two years on his arm. $1.56 million later, he's, he's, he's about 99% whole, praise God. The doctor said if he'd be an adult, they'd just cut his arm off. But we went through all this, and he had cast on, couldn't move it for seven, eight months during all these surgeries. And he tried to move it. He had no movement. It's scary when you look at your dad's son. I mean, when you look at your son as a dad, you're looking at his hand and can't move it. It's kind of deformed looking, kind of like this. and Can't do nothing with it. I said, God, I don't know, but I know that you're going to make it right. And you're make it good. And we go to the doctor. And the doctor said, your hand, son's hand's fine. Don't worry, Mr. Olivier. We're through with the surgeries now. I know he can't move it. But the problem is he hasn't used it in eight months. And because of that, his brain no longer knows how to send the signal to his fingers. And so what we have to do is we're going to stretch it. Yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. But we've actually got to retrain his brain how to coordinate with his finger. And we've got to retrain his brain how to move that finger and how to, to make a fist again. Because his brain hasn't done it in so long that he doesn't, he doesn't remember how to move his hand. He doesn't remember how to grasp things. He doesn't remember how to hold things. His brain needs retraining. You know what? In our lives, sometimes it's been so long since we've gotten into the presence of God. Or it's been so long since we've taken that time just to fast and to pray and just be with Him. It's been so long since our, our lives were really acceptable and really a sacrifice to Him. That we've really forgotten what joy is. We've really forgotten what, what being in his will is like. We've, we've, we've kind of forgotten what it's like to follow his plan for our life. And all we have to do is say, we don't have to retrain nothing. Jesus will do it instantly for you. All you have to do is say, Father, today, I know I've been away from you. I know what I've done hasn't been right. But starting today, I want to make myself a holy, acceptable sacrifice, a living sacrifice to you. And in that it says, come to the altar, a holy and acceptable sacrifice. Today, if you need God to change your life, if you need him to start pushing some buttons for you again to make life easier, maybe you need that fullness of joy I talked about. Jesus wants to do that for you today. This altar is going to be open in just a second. Dave is going to come and play. I want you to stand with me. And I want to end in prayer today. Father, I thank you for everyone here today, Father. I thank you, Father, that as I brought your word today, it says your word sets the captive free. Jesus, you are the word, Father. And we just thank you right now, Fathers. We've spoken Jesus over each and every person in this audience today, Father. They'd come to a realization of who you are. 
I thank you, Father, that today they tear up any blueprints that aren't of you. I thank you they tear up anything that's not of your will that's in their lives today, Father. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ today. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I know I haven't been doing what's right. I know I haven't had that joy in my life. God is waiting in this altar for you today. All you have to do is ask. It says in Matthew 21, 22, if you ask anything in his name, believing it shall be done. If you come down here today and you say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, wash me clean. Jesus, give me the fullness of joy that Pastor Ryan was talking about today. He's faithful to do it. All you have to do is ask. Today, these altars are open as our prayer partners come. If you need prayer today, I want to invite you to come down and be with me this morning. God wants to touch you. If you don't want to come down, that's fine too. God can touch you where you're at. But there's something about getting into the altar of God. Something about being in His presence. It just sets people free. He wants to do that for you today. For all y'all who, who don't need prayer, you're welcome to be dismissed quietly as we leave these altars open today. I call you blessed in this city. Father, what you want to do in a church, do it in our church. What you want to do in a people, do it in these people. Father, we open this altar today for you. It's not you, it's not me, but it's only you, Father. Do it in their lives today, Father. Touch lives. That's what we're all about is touching people. We thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen. The altars are open if you